Pearl, Jennifer's Body, and Ready or Not, three terrific original horror films that have come out in the last several years. Let's go through them one by one and do a ranking at the end. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast, and it is spooky season. So we are full on into the horror genre this month. Today we're going to do a special episode on three modern horror films that we really adore, did really well at the box office, gathered a cult following online. We're going to do Pearl, Jennifer's Body, and Ready or Not. I love all three of these movies. They're a lot of fun with excellent gore, Awesome scares and wonderful characters. And great original concepts. All three of them have great iconic characters and original ideas. They've basically also created these iconic Halloween costumes. I mean, with Pearl, we have the overalls or the red dress. Either look works. Jennifer from Jennifer's Body. Several outfits that you could do. You could do that pink heart outfit, the prom dress with the blood, the flag girl outfit, which is a little blood anywhere. works really well. So Jennifer Check has great outfits as well for Halloween. And Grace with the bloodied wedding dress, with the guns or the shotgun shells or anything like that. So that's what I really like about these movies. All three original ideas, really terrific scripts, really well-executed films. They also have something, two of them have something else in common. What's that? Two of them have Adam Brody in, yeah, in the movies. Yeah, so. because I watched Jennifer's Body and Pearl, I mean, and um, Ready or Not, uh, last two nights, and they both had Adam Brody in it. So that's pretty <laughs> funny, too. But I really like these movies, and especially, I mean— Pearl is a special movie, I think, because X was such a love film back in 2022. Then Ty West secretly made that with Mia Goth as a co-writer, kind of while they were in production of X. It's a the pre- year of Ty West, the year bro. of Ty West in 2022. And the cool thing about Pearl is it's a it's a prequel, and you don't have to have seen X. Yes, and he's got Maxine coming out next year, which I'm very excited to see too. And I'm guessing Maxine will be unrelated to the Pearl character because Pearl is the old woman in X, and we get her. Amazing origin story, though it was sold for Pearl. Maxine looks like it's set in the 70s, so it can't... I, I don't see how it can be Pearl from the uh, Oh, so 40s. it's not Pearl. Yeah, you're because right. Because Pearl's yeah, in the 40s. World War II, World yeah. World War II. <laughs> so, unless she aged wonderfully. Oh, I mean, World War I, 1918. Yeah, yeah. World War I. So, it's a... It's a gonna be probably its own separate story but probably it'll make it seem like it's the same person yeah maybe like the embodiment of that person or the soul or spirit in some way is in this girl in maxine but we'll find out when we see it and jennifer's body i think is one of the most underrated horror films the last several years it's got terrible scores it really does it's rotten on rotten tomatoes and audience and critic score really low imdb we'll get into these specifically in a little bit but i really enjoyed watching jennifer's body recently i hadn't seen it since it came out it's so good it's really funny amanda seyfried and megan fox are terrific together as well as ready or not from uh, eight, did A twenty four do ready or not? I believe A twenty four, yes. And they also I'm not did, sure they, though. They also well, they did Pearl. Pearl, they definitely did Pearl. But Ray, eight, Ready or Not was an excellent original horror film that just came out a few years ago, which I really enjoyed. I went into that one completely blind. That's one you recommended to me, yes. like two years ago, mm-hmm. and I finally watched it at the beginning of this year, and I loved the concept. It's such a great idea, and I just really enjoy all three of these horror movies. This is kind of our horror huddies episode. Horror huddies, oh horror yeah, huddies. And it's funny oh, because I'm sorry, we say hut like Bostonians. Horror hotties. hotties. Horror hotties. Hotties. Horror hotties. But what's funny is they're not all final girls, you know? Yeah. It's it's interesting. And 
they've all caught on really well. Most notably, Jennifer's body has gotten a big resurgence. You can see on Letterboxd it has 100,000 reviews now, which is a lot for a movie that generally movies that aren't considered like great classics from at least 10 years ago, they don't get that many reviews on Letterboxd, but it has been swarmed with this cult status. Although its rate its ratings on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes are so low. I agree with you. I loved I love Jennifer's Body. I'm on Jennifer's Body stand now. It's so fun. It's so gory. And bl- it has it hits all the beats you want in a great horror film. I think it's really extremely well done. I was trying to find a Jennifer's Body t-shirt to wear for the show, <laughs> but I couldn't get one quick enough. It shipped here. Oh, I, I was like, I, that would have been sick, but I loved it. I was like, this movie's <laughs> awesome. And then when I saw it, because uh, I think we both watched it like the same week. Yes. And then after you watched it in the morning, you came up to me. You're like, dude, Jennifer's Body is awesome. I'm like, I know. I just, I think I only saw it that one time when it first came out. I saw it in theaters, and I guess maybe I didn't quite get it at first because I never watched it again, and maybe I just had a bad experience with it. But I watched it again the other day, and I adore it now. I really love it. I, I'm going to make it a, a, a yearly watch in, in spooky season now. And, and it should be. It's that good. And then Pearl, obviously, being the most recent release, it has 108,000 reviews on Letterboxd. It has a 3.8 on Letterboxd, so very good score for that many ratings. Jennifer's Body, I forgot to mention, has 3.4 rating. And then Ready or Not has 87,000 reviews, the least reviewed film of the three, and it has a 3.5 rating. So they're all well-received. Pearl clearly has a higher status, but on IMDb, Pearl has a 7, and so does Ready or Not on IMDb. However, Jennifer's Body on IMDb, 5.4. That's so low. That's shocking to me. And then Rotten Tomatoes, like you said, so the critic score is 46%, and then the audience score is 35%. I was shocked when I I found that out. I can't believe that because the other films, they have really good uh, other scores. So for Pearl, Rotten Tomatoes is 93%. And then audience for critics, and then audience scores 82%. So audiences and critics agree, agree they really like it. Same thing with Ready or Not, Rotten Tomatoes. Critic scores 89%, and then the audience scores 78%. So, I mean, Jennifer's, Jennifer's body, getting done dirty. Yeah. But, I mean, the cult following is great, but it deserves way better than that. It is a really, it's a good movie. It really is. It. And we're going to break down each film, and then we're going to give what we have is a score system. We're going to rank each film through. So we have, we're going to rate out of 10 what we think of the premise the characters, how fun the film is, how scary it is, the gore level, the humor, the filmmaking, and the MVP of the film. And then after we do each film, we're going to do a final rank- ranking of the three films for each of us. I think that's a it's a great idea. We're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Yeah. With our horror hotties. The bloody one episode. Let's start with Pearl. Since it's the most popular... And it just came out recently in 2022, written by Ty West and Mia Goth. This is actually Mia Goth's first writing credit, directed by Ty West. He also edited this movie. He's very hands-on. He's kind of like Soderbergh at that time. With uh, Yeah, definitely. Writing, directing, editing. Soderbergh, I'm surprised he doesn't start in his own movies. Soderbergh does do the camera work himself, yeah. though. Which is, that guy just does everything. He's like, you know what? Let's shoot this one on an iPhone. I'm sorry. I'm still. <laughs> sometimes I think about the Nick, and I'm like, I can't believe you fucking made the Nick. And he did everything himself. I know. The Nick is such a great TV show. Yeah, it's incredible. Not to get off topic here. Just to say for a sec. Can't recommend the Nick Nick enough. Now, before we get into this episode, we want to announce that our short film, Midnight Ruin, is coming out tomorrow. You can watch this film on YouTube. There's going to be links everywhere when we share it. You can search for it. So you can watch it on YouTube. And then... If you'd like to, you can rate it on IMDb and on Letterboxd. So there's an IMDb page and there's a Letterboxd page. 
You can rate it and even leave a review that would help out so much. Feel free to share it with your family and friends. It would mean the world to us. Now, trapped on an isolated farm in 1918, a young woman on the brink of madness pursues stardom in a desperate attempt to escape the drudgery, isolation, and lovelessness of life on her parents' farm. Again, this was secretly filmed simultaneously with X, and Pearl again serves as a prequel showing the title character's life in 1918, decades before the events of X. And you don't have to have seen X to see this movie. It's great when you know what X is about and you know that who the old lady is in X and the ending of this movie is even more interesting when Howard comes home eventually. But that's what's cool about this film is you don't have to have seen both. IMDb, again, 7.0. Ron Tomatoes, 93%. Critic, 82%. Audience, Letterbox 3.8. With a budget of $1 million, wow. Ty West's film made... $10 million at the box office. That is a great return on investment. And it must have done really well on rentals and VOD. Hell because yeah. it has a lot of watches. So it means a lot of people watched it after the theater run. I rented this too as mm -hmm. well. Uh, cast, it stars Mia Goth, David Cornsweet, who is Superman now, Tandy Wright, Emma Jenkins Pirro, and Matthew Sunderland. And this movie... I was a little. I was like very late to seeing. I really liked X. I know. A lot. I was like, you gotta watch Pearl. And I finally got around to watching X. I mean, I'm watching Pearl, and I liked it more than X. And I think it's hysterical, disturbing, and terrific in all the great ways that you want from a horror film. It is shocking at times the things that happen in this movie with Pearl and this character, who you think is so sweet and innocent at first, and Ty, he just he's great at lulling all audiences into a false sense of security while showing little things here and there that are just getting you ready to get messed up. He's, he's preparing you for the things you're about to see. And obviously, we, do, we get that with Pearl, this innocent girl on this farm. She kills this goose or this duck with a pitchfork and feeds it to an, a crocodile. And you're like, okay, what kind of movie is this? This is insane. But if you have seen X, you know she's the old woman. And you know that there's some messed up things going on. So I knew Pearl was going to be a messed up character, but I was so curious how she got there. It's Ty West's best film, in my opinion. And he, he used a lot of magic realism and theatricality that he never used in his other films before. It's really well done in this film. And first, it opens with that. So it opens with Pearl in her bedroom. She's looking at herself in the mirror. Different lights in the room shut off in her bedroom, but he's using the sound effects of stage lights. And then stage lights turn on. And she's performing in front of her mirror. And then her mother walks into the room and the lights brighten up again to normal lighting. The The dance sequence, when she's performing in front of the, the judges, we get a whole theatrical magic surrealist dance with the other performers and then with World War uh, One bombs going off in the background. And I really love these elements because it brings a new quality to the horror genre that we don't often see. And it really puts you into the headspace of the character of the delusionment of the obsession with fame and the obsession with performing and also being validated. And those are things that he'd never done in his films before, and I thought they were really fantastic. And on top of that, he made this film like it was a film from the 40s or 50s. But he used, obviously, contemporary cameras and lenses. However, many of the shots, they're framed in the same way that like an old movie would frame them. One of my favorite ones is the opening shot where... To open the film, he pans across photos and items of the bedroom. That's something you'd see in a lot of old movies with the titles credits playing over that. And then he, then he pans up to her and we get that, what I just mentioned earlier, the theatrical opening. But on top of that, 
uh, lots of incredible wide shots and just simple pans and tilts that you would see in very old movies. This is stuff that like you'd see in an old film, and then you combine it with Tyler Bates' very traditional Hollywood score, and it's like, oh my god, this is, the tone is amazing. He's he's putting the tone of a film it made eighty years ago into a contemporary filmmaking setting, but it takes place in nineteen eighteen, so it makes sense to have that tone and the feeling. Um, and I really enjoy that. I, I love the music. Tyler Bates had never done anything like this before. He's a very electronic composer. He does a lot of sci-fi and horror. So it was cool to see him do a more classical orchestral score like this to emulate old Hollywood. And those aspects really brought a new life that X didn't have to it. In so many horror films, they give us some of the best performances that get no recognition from award shows and Academy or anything like that. Obviously, we've talked so many times about Hereditary and Tony Collette in that film, but Mia Goth as Pearl in this film specifically is sensational. Obviously, the the outro credit roll is one of the most disturbing and incredible three minutes of acting I've ever seen in my entire life in a horror film. It's sensational, but she really carries this movie, and Pearl is a fascinating and disturbing character. This girl who is she's her parents are German immigrants. They've come to America. They're not treated very well. Obviously, it's World War One. In America, at war, and Germany wasn't on the right yeah, side. Yeah, they weren't times. on the right side, obviously. <laughs> and so they have a farm in this small town. And Pearl, her husband, is at war. Howard's away at war, and she can't be with him. And she feels no love at home. She hates her mother. Her father has a horrible illness. He's paralyzed in a wheelchair. He has to be taken care of by Ruth, her mother, as well as by. Pearl, who does some disturbing things in front of her father, like bathing in front of him in the nude, and then eventually like experimenting with pain with him and ch choking him and like curious about if I could kill him. <laughs> Are you really in there? Is there someone in there feeding him morphine constantly? So I love like the elements of med medicinal practices from the early 20th century and how fucked like up they were. Syrup yeah, for a, for the, <laughs> getting morphine was yeah. a normal thing. And Pearl, I mean, there's a great sequence where she's talking to Mitzi later on where she says, I just want to be loved. That's really all I ever wanted is to be loved. And she wants attention because she feels so lonely and isolated and, and hopeless on this farm where she has these big dreams of being a star. But her mother destroys those dreams constantly because when her mother looks at her, she, see, she sees failure of I've failed. I've created this daughter who wants nothing but to like leave this farm. And she needs and she, I need her to help me on this farm because I'm. I used to be my husband's wife, but now I'm my husband's mother, and my daughter is off doing whatever and has all these secrets, and she's seen her do all sorts of crazy things that are disturbing <laughs> as hell, and she's like, as soon as they see what you do, like, I've seen what you do in your free time, honey, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> she has a quote. <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a footnote. It's a cliff note. And she has this dream of going to this audition that her sister-in-law, Mitzi, tells her about to become a star and go on these and be a, a movie star and be in, in films. And she meets this projectionist in town and has this intimate relationship with this projectionist where he has no idea what he got into. But I think it's a great concept for a character and a plot too. How did this old lady from X become so messed up and evil and not hesitate at all to stab somebody to death in the throat? It's not so much this film is the origin of that because she's been doing it for a while. Like her mother said, she's seen her do things in private. And then also... She tells Mitzi that she, when she met um, Harold, she hid that part of herself. So she pretended to be 
uh, very different. Howard. Howard. Yeah. Sorry. How- sorry, Howard. Howard. <laughs> you put them sorry, together. Howard. Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi. Jedi. <laughs> Not smart, man, but I know what love is. So she hid that dark, disturbing part to herself when she met Howard as a way of wooing him. So she kind of very much, she very much lied about who she was so that she could meet a good man and marry a good man and get into a good family something she thought she always wanted. The most impressive part of her performance is in that dialogue, Mia Goth does a, a five-minute uncut monologue. With Mitzi? Yeah, with Mitzi. So there, there's the, the whole monologue is about seven minutes, but Ty West goes five minutes without cutting. Uh, and it's just Mia Goth, no cut. Camera doesn't move at all. It's just... And I remember watching it in theaters, and like halfway into the monologue, I'm like, oh shit, he hasn't even cut the camera. <laughs> Or moved it. I mean, you don't and have then, to. And then it's, 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 uh, it's, it just sucks you in. So that was my favorite part of her performance is that five-minute uninterrupted uh, monologue take that just is really incredible. Uh, in, what a sight to behold. Uh, Mia Goth really put in the work for this, and you can tell. And she's just an incredible performer. And all I want from horror movies is something I've never seen before. That's a requirement from Raiders of Lost Podcast. Show us something we've never seen before. Before Pearl does that. We get some really disturbing things like having sex with a scarecrow. So after she meets I'm this- married! I'm married! <laughs> so after she meets this projectionist, this handsome guy who gives her a little piece of a film reel and she's smitten, although she's married, she's torn between this new guy and her lover who's off, off at war and she loses the film reel in the wind when she's riding her bike home and discovers a scarecrow with this cool hat that she likes a lot. And then she dances with him, pretending to be a Broadway star, basically, and then I love the the cut of of his face, the projectionist's face on the scarecrow. <laughs> I'm married. I'm married, and then she has sex with the scarecrow, and it's disturbing as hell. I've never seen anything quite like that before. As well as, I love I love the projectionist when he goes to her farm. <laughs> She comes to him again after she <laughs> lights her mother on fire and throws her in the basement <laughs> while she's alive. Sorry, we're spoiling the hell out of these movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, And um, goes to the projectionist again, and they make love after watching a dirty movie, which is crazy because her mother's still alive in the basement, almost burning to death <laughs> and, and suffering immensely. And then he drives her home. It's one of my favorite scenes I've seen in a while in a horror movie because we know what's going on. We know that she's in the basement. She's hiding it. And there's really not a dog down there. And you can tell, like, he's like, there's something off. There are some noises going on. And I have to try to figure out how to get out of this situation. Come up with these weird lies and takes him to the farm and catches her in the live. She said they have a dog. He's like, oh, I thought you said you had a dog. And then... She's like, what's the dog's name? She's like, we don't have a dog. (laughs) He's like, fuck. (laughs) He tries to bounce. But then the killing of the projectionist is awesome it's so funny but yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible at the same time i'm not staying on this farm <laughs> pitchfork in the chest tosses him in the car i mean pushes the car into the lake for the crocodile au revoir <laughs> it's amazing i love it's this movie's so funny too because i love the shot after he's been stabbed and his car is like in drive but it's just driving down the hill and he's like bleeding out and dying in the car in Ty West keeps the camera uh, like strapped to the car, but you can hear Pearl off screen just screaming. Ah! <laughs> and when she picks pitchforks him like through the mouth yeah. on the ground, it's great. Oh it's my terrific god, stuff. And I also lo- I really love the shot when he kill when she kills Mitzi. The uh, it's a long take of a leading tracking shot, 
and it's it's leading Mitzi when she walks out of the house, and then Pearl also exits, and then they just stare at each other. And Pearl, grab, <laughs> Pearl grabs the axe, and then she just basically chases Mitzi for like 200 feet, and then just starts axing her in the back. But it's so funny the way that Mia Goth is just like chugging along with the axe, like very like almost like Jack Torrance like, and I I love how he just does that in one shot, and it's really it's 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 both very scary and very funny to me at the same time. It's so good because we know these things are gonna happen at some point. You're just waiting. You're just you're Ty is just biding his time of just waiting to give the audience what they want because all the hints of like constantly talking about how she wants her parents to die to the projectionist. He's like, can we change the subject? subject oh, sorry, what was that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so you know she wants to kill her parents at some point, and then she eventually does. Obviously, that accidental fight with Ruth that turns into her getting lit on fire, and Pearl puts it out, then puts her in the basement while she's still alive, and then suffocating her father. And then the third act is so so messed up where she creates this... Decomposition dinner with her dead parents. The decomposing pig roast that's been on the porch for days now, which is a great metaphor for her psyche and where her head's at because it's slowly just getting worse and worse and decomposing. And then her parents are decomposing and she puts that and serves it on the table. And then who's walks through the front door? Howard. (laughs) Howard, her husband, comes home from war to find Pearl having dinner with her dead decomposing parents in a decomposing pig. And she's just smiling like nothing's wrong. I'm so glad you're home. <laughs> Which is great. It's a yeah. great ending because we know in X that he stays with her. Yeah. And they live like happily ever after. And he loves her. And he loves her through all of this. Yeah. So we can imagine their life is he's always helping cover up her crimes. And she probably he probably even helps bring her victims. And so over a period of the gap between the films, probably 60 years or so how many people has she killed and that he knows about. So I, I find it fascinating because when you see him arrive, you know that he's going to accept her and, and help put this all away. Especially if you see next, yeah. And it makes you wonder how many bodies are in the bottom of that lake. I know. I just love the fact that Pearl has a pet crocodile that's huge. Yeah. And even <laughs> yeah. the crocodile is afraid of her. Yeah. She's like looking for her. She's like, where are you? And it's like running away from her. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great cat. I don't, know, I don't know how he came up with it. This This farm girl who is a serial killer and has a giant crocodile for a pet. <laughs> it's amazing. I fucking love it. <laughs> it's so good. And the magic surrealism, like you said, it's great for Ty West to really never doing it before. But also one of my favorite sequences is when she gets one of the crocodile eggs and puts it in the barn. And then she's looking at it and then she squeezes it and, ex- and it breaks. And then it cuts to her like a vision of her husband exploding. Yeah. We'll actually get to another, some more exploding people <laughs> later there on are, in this yeah, episode. There's, there's a lot. But the end credit roll... What's it? Four minutes? It's uh, uh, three and a half minutes. Three and a half minutes yeah. of Mia Goth smiling and crying is—it's incredible. You can't look away. You cannot look away from it. It's sensational acting. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. Yeah, for I've—I've I've always liked Mia Goth ever since I first saw her in *Nymphomaniac*. Yeah, that was the first time I saw her. It took movie. her a while to really get into big Hollywood stuff and become like a, a household name. Now she is a household name, and now she's one of the biggest rising stars there is. So I'm, I'm really happy for her because I've been a fan of hers for over 10 years now. She's insanely yeah. talented. And I love the direction of her career, of the choices she's made in her movie roles. And she did just sign on. She's going to be in the, Marvel, the, right? the Blade movie. So she's oh, going to be the yeah. daughter of Dracula in that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to see if Mia Goth's going to sign on to that. I'm sure the script's pretty good with their seventh rewrite of the movie. 18 rewrites. Uh, Nick Pizzoletto's going to... 
He's overseeing it though. It's a lot. Of, it's it, a lot of the yeah. guy who wrote True, uh, True Detective. Yeah, so season uh, one. He must. I hope he. He must have done a great rewrite with Mahershala to get her one because she's she's always avoided the big movies, and she's like you said, she's had great choices in her career, so it must be a good script. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Blade. I mean, who doesn't love Blade? And especially if she, maybe she's playing the villain of it. Yeah, she's, so she's going to be yeah. Dracula's daughter, which yeah. I think will, she'll probably be the main villain, it sounds like. Sign me up, man. Sign me up. So I'm very excited to see Blade with Mia Goth, but she's just one of my favorite actresses right now, and I'll watch anything that she's in. I even, I liked Infinity Pool, but I really watched that because she was in it. Yeah, she's she made the movie tolerable. Like, I love Alexander Skarsgård a lot, but... Mia Goth's the, my number one reason for watching Infinity Pool. Yeah, I mean, the second half of that movie was just like, oh, come on, man, what are you doing? Cool first hour. Cool first hour. It was really good. But let's, love, do, our, let's do our score system. Yeah, we love Pearl, and we'll do our score system. Now, Anthony, what do you give Pearl for its premise? I give Pearl a 9. It's very simple, but it works really well. I gave it a 9 as well, and I think it's a great idea. It's a great character, and... I loved X, but man, Ty West just upped it even more with Pearl, and uh, I love this world he's created now. His, his little little verse of this horror, his horror characters, X-verse. yeah, the X verse characters. Characters are a nine, yeah, because Pearl has become she's going to go down as a horror icon. Absolutely, in time she will. But even the other characters are great too. Projectionist is awesome. I like Mitzi. The mom is horrible, evil yeah. person in a lot of ways, but still a good character. Scarecrow is great, too. Yeah, Scarecrow is terrific in this movie. <laughs> uh, fun factor. Nine. I have a blast when I watch this movie. Yeah, I gave it an eight. It's, it's, scary. it's, it's bloody and funny. It, it's, it's got the uh, same kind of uh, walks that line like American Psycho does of like, is it? am I messed up for laughing at this? Yeah, like the tone is like similar yeah. to American Psycho because yeah. it's so hard to capture that weird tone of you having so much fun with watching a horror movie. Watching people get... Killed. Yeah. Should you be having fun? In the lead yeah. being the killer, and yeah. you're like rooting for them. Yeah. It's it's tough to do, but I think he pulled it off. Fear. Uh, seven. It's not really a scary movie, but I think as an audience member, it's fun. And this, I mean, I gave it a seven. I, I would have put it lower, but crocodiles are scary. And whenever I see crocodiles swimming in water, that, that's pretty scary to me. So yeah. I, I upped it up to seven for I that. Gave, yeah, I gave it a six. It's not scary like you said. But the disturbing factor gives it a six. It's disturbing as hell. It's scary to think that this is someone that could be out there. I don't know. Maybe. But when I see man, <laughs> man, when I see crocodiles, I'm that's scary. Wow, I didn't know how scared you were of crocodiles. Crocodiles are terrifying. Can you not watch Lake Placid? No, I can watch it, but like, like a, a deep fear of mine is being in in like a, a river or a pond with a crocodile. Crocodiles aren't in either of those bodies of water, <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> or whatever. Well, there's one in this movie, a well, lake or something. That's a yeah. However, I'm sure she like. I'm put sure it there. if a crocodile saw a pond, it would go in there to, ch- to chill out. It's got to be a big pond. Not that it lived in it. Be a big I'm not pond. saying it lives in it lives in ponds. Be a big one. Anyways, gore, Mister uh, Steve Irwin over here. <laughs> gore, gore's a nine. I gave it a great eight. gore. Eight is an excellent score. <laughs> it's disturbing gore. Um, humor nine. I I, I I laughed my ass off during this movie. I gave it an eight. Filmmaking. Nine. Yes, it's it's a really well-made movie. I think you're right. It probably is Ty West's most well-made movie. My favorite still is House of the Devil, but I think he's just firing on all cylinders. We'll pull out the old Knocked uh, it out of the park, the old catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> for for his objective and what he wanted to do with it, he did it perfectly. For a million dollars. Yeah. For a million, million dollar budget, million this bucks. is a hell of a movie. It's crazy. MVP. 
A24 is like, want to make some more movies on that farm? <laughs> yeah, you made two movies on the same farm <laughs> in the same year. They're bangers. For like $3 million in total. <laughs> it's crazy how profitable those movies are. Who's your MVP? Uh, Mia Goth. Yeah, it's MVP. Obvious. My review on Letterboxd is Mia Goth supremacy. <laughs> Hands up. Now, I got a couple of fun facts about... Let's hear it, man. So well, what'd you rate it on Letterboxd? Uh, 4.5. Tandy Wright, who plays Pearl's mother, was actually the intimacy coordinator on X and was offered the role of Ruth as the shoot on the first film was wrapping up by Ty West. According to Ty West, she learned German for the role in a hurry and became so convincing in her accent that she fooled two German members of the crew. So that's really interesting. I mean, that's how you keep your budget low. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to be the lead in my movie? <laughs> no. Pearl's alligator is named Theta after Theta Barra, who was an American silent film actress and one of cinema's earliest sex symbols. Viewers may notice a poster of Theta Barra as displayed on the exterior of the picture house that Pearl regularly regularly frequents. The Cleopatra one. Theta! <laughs> I'm married! Why don't you like me? I thought you liked me! What I do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong! Why are you leaving me? <laughs> I'm not staying on this farm! <laughs> I fucking love Pearl. <laughs> Alright, we'll do uh, Jennifer's Body next, then we'll take our intermission and finish up with Raider or Not. How's that sound? That was good. <laughs> now, Jennifer's Body came out in 2009, written by Diablo Cody, who was an Oscar winner for Juno, directed by Karen Kusama, who is a pretty underrated director. She did The Invitation, which... I highly recommend if you've never seen. Oh, yeah. You keep getting me to watch that. The 2015 one. There was one that came out a few years ago, but Karen's that came out in 2015. It's a really good horror movie. Can't recommend it enough. She's also done Yellow Jackets, Man in the High Tower, and Eon Flux. Jeffers Body on IMDb is a 5.4. Rotten Tomatoes, 46% rotten, 34% audience score. Letterboxd is a 3.4, which is, you know, that's better. On a budget of $16 million. Jennifer's Body made $31 million at the box office. It stars Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried, Adam Brody, Johnny Simmons, J.K. Simmons, who goes hard in this role, and Kyle Galliner. Synopsis of Jennifer's Body. When a demon takes possession of high school hottie, Jennifer Check, she turns her hungry eye on guys who never stood a chance with her before. While evil Jennifer satisfies her appetite for human flesh with the school's male population, her nerdy friend Needy, played by Amanda Seyfried, learns what's happening and vows to put an end to the carnage. I love Jennifer's body. It's hilarious. It's got a fun tone. It doesn't take itself seriously. It's bloody. It's gory. It's pretty scary. And it blends in uh, demon demonology and, and the idea of the succubus demon with the teen school comedy in a great way. And Diablo Cody is a really specific writer. She has a very unique voice. She doesn't sound like any other writer or screenwriter, I mean. And so I think she, I, all of her movies are really great. And I, I really liked her show, United States of Tara. That was an awesome show. And this is just another example of how awesome of a writer she is. She is. This movie has so many great one-liners. It's a great concept, too. A succubus demon that goes to high school. And she's also the, pop, the most popular pretty girl at school. It's a great idea. Yeah. And, like, what would that be like? And just also... Just flipping the power dynamics on genders of male versus female, where now 
The boys are afraid to go out at night. The men are afraid to go out at night. They're scared to walk the streets. They're walking around with pepper spray. But it's not preachy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They don't. They don't say that. It's just yeah. like here. Now you're wearing. You have pepper spray. That's it. Yeah. The 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 boyfriend is the damsel in distress. Exactly. You know? But it's done in such a way where it's not like spoon feeding the audience or te- or preaching to the audience. If it's done this way, audiences will love it. And it's a great plot. So, what happens is there's this very mediocre indie rock band. <laughs> That Adam Brody is the lead singer of. And I like the great references to like Fall Out Boy and the posters and stuff like that. And so this indie rock band and they go on this rant how like, oh, unless you like get on Letterman or something like that, we're all cute, but we're all the same. You can't just get discovered. It's so hard to get discovered. They're called low low shoulder. Low shoulder. (laughs) Like Like, the like the street side. Yeah. Yeah. And then so basically their plan is they get into Satanism and occultism and they basically want to sell their soul to the devils to get success. So they have this plan to perform this ritual where you find a virgin somewhere and you sacrifice her to the devil brutally and you'll basically get your dreams fulfilled you'll become famous rock stars so they go to this small town called the ancient ritual is it's about famous rock stars <laughs> <laughs> they go to the small town called devil's kettle and they play a show in this crappy little bar that Jennifer calls a club, which is really funny. He's like, he's like, yeah, I think it's important to even reach our fans in the shittiest locations. <laughs> <laughs> in the shittiest areas. <laughs> and so, and then they find Jennifer there, this girl who wants to be a groupie for this band because they're so cool and sophisticated and they wear mascara and they're from the city <laughs> they have style also chris pratt's in this movie like chris pratt, he like basically plays chris pratt yeah. <laughs> he's got like a, he's got a camo shirt on and drinking a beer i wish uh, the one thing is i wish we could have gotten more of him yeah in the second half yeah. of the film because he never see him again yeah because he's, he's chris yeah. pratt he's a very yeah. charismatic guy so this band gets jennifer they sacrifice and burn down this club and kill everybody in it except for jennifer and her friend needy and then they take Jennifer in their van, and she disappears, and she comes back. And they a demon. They, they assume that she's a virgin. Yes. So the, the yeah. band leader misreads her, thinking that she's a girl who projects promiscuity, but she's actually hiding the fact that she has never had sex before. So he was completely wrong and misread her. And then she, when she was in the van, we see in the flashback, thinking they wouldn't want to abuse her if they if she never had sex before lies saying that she's a virgin and needy tries to protect her saying that yes. she's a virgin too as yeah. well and then they're like oh she's the perfect girl yeah. so they perform their ritual of sacrificing her to the devil however it goes wrong they they get what they want they become famous rock stars and they become really famous because this building burned down and they become the national the anthem for this town and this great hor- or this horrific story and they become nationally famous so they get what they want, but they don't realize that they've created a succubus because she wasn't a virgin. That means a demon has now possessed Jennifer, who now must consume flesh and eat boys at high school to stay alive. And this is Megan Fox's best performance. What I like that Diablo did with the character is <clears throat> it wasn't like a demon. It's not, it's not like a demon took over the body. It's more that Jennifer became a, a demon, became a succubus, because it's not it's not like a demon personality. It's not like a demon's mind. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's more that Meg. It's more that Jennifer transforms into a demonic succubus because she's still her, but being demonic, uh, her her more nefarious tendencies are being uh, put to extremes, and uh, all of her bad qualities get highlighted. So, 
It, but it's, she's still Jennifer. She just she, needs to eat boys. She needs to eat boys, <laughs> and she's 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 a dick now. She's no, she always yeah. was a dick. Yeah, that's the that's thing. True, like, yeah. like when she when when J.K. Simmons who plays the teacher, he's so good in this yeah, movie. That he's, fucking Minnesota accent, accent. Man. He's probably just doing it for fun. He's like, yeah. I'm gonna do an accent. Yeah. And I'm sure they're like, yeah, you're J.K. Yeah, yeah, Simmons, whatever. <laughs> and and he's talking about the horrible tragedy. She's like, oh, boring. boring. Like Jennifer was always like that. But you're right. That's a great point where her personality didn't change. She just has to eat boys now. Well, no, it's, it's more extreme because the boring line, that's after she's already been a succubus. No, no, I'm just saying that's, yeah, yeah. that she was like that before. That's yeah. what I mean. I know that I know. Not it was that ad- evil. Yes, she was. No. She's she was she was always like that. She was an, she was she was uh, a jerk and but she was still she had a sweetness to her. Did you know her? I'm I mean she's like waving at needy while she's doing her cheerleading and yeah there's there's cute aspects to it <laughs> yeah yeah but th- that's what i like is it's not like a demon took over the body yeah it's i still, like that too it's still jennifer which works she's not like hiding the fact that she's a demon exactly she's just jennifer that yeah. eats boys now yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, and then the kills are great the gore is great i like the slow reveal of her true form not that she really transforms but she her face does change her we get to see the teeth so there's a bit of a transformation when she does kill and I like the fact that she feeds on, like, flesh and blood. Like, I love when she kills the goth, the emo kid. <laughs> Colin. <laughs> yeah, Colin. She's like, I have a bigger dick than him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and then when she kills him, she's, like, cupping blood with her hands and drinking from him. I like that. But it's also it shows that, like... If a demon took the shape of like a hot girl, like she could kill any guy she wants. Well, what it's I, super easy. What's so great about this movie? It shows that men will do anything to get laid. <laughs> men will enter an abandoned house in the middle of the most de- the the most deserted part of town with no lights for miles. They will enter this scary dark place that's full of two by fours and piping. <laughs> And tools and ritual candles, and and they will like, oh, I think I still might get laid. I think I'm gonna <laughs> still go through with this. They'll do anything. They'll put caution to the wind. They'll avoid all the yeah, signs the, that they're about to get murdered. The jock with the and he notices all the animals around watching them. He's she's like, they're she's waiting. Like, she's like, they're waiting. He's like, okay, let's keep going. He's <laughs> like, guys will, would do. They they're so dumb at that in that uh, context. Like, <laughs> if someone wanted to kill guys, if a hooker wanted to kill guys, it'd be very easy. Dude, guys are brain dead when they yeah. think they're gonna have sex. Yeah, exactly. Brain dead. 100%. Oh yeah, I'll do whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scary building. Oh like, well, yeah, yeah. No problem. <laughs> whatever you say. Whatever you say, babe. <laughs> Amanda Seyfried, by the way, great actor. Maybe the most underrated actress of her age, of her generation. How many movies has she led and carried the last fifteen years? Plus, she, from what I saw of the bio series, the bio biopic miniseries about the medical w- woman. The medical one. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't yeah. uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's, from what I saw, she's great in that, too. I watched the first couple episodes, and because I, I thought she, that was— She a, won the Globe. Yeah. She, yeah. Really fascinating story. I, I listened to a bunch of podcasts on it. I, I didn't love the show, but she, her performance was terrific. It was disturbing how close she was to—I can't remember that woman's name. And Amanda Seyfried, she's been a consistent leader of films— for over a decade now. Obviously, like Mean Girls was probably her first big break, but since then she's led a lot of movies and she's always terrific. She kills every role she's in. She's incredibly charismatic, incredibly talented. And she I mean, Megan Fox is terrific as Jennifer, but I think that Amanda Seyfried's the key for this movie working really well because she's the surrogate audience member. She's bringing us through the story and she's the hero in a lot of ways. 
And I think Amanda is terrific, very underrated actress, and I hope she keeps getting big, bigger movies. Yeah, I mean, she was she just worked with David Fincher on Mank. She was the co-lead of Mank, and then she was uh, she was in First Reformed with Ethan Hawke. Yeah. She was really great in. She's done great comedy too. I mean, Ted too. She's really funny in While We're Young, Noah Baumbach's film. Um, she played Adam Driver's wife. Um, it's just some of she's oh also my big I mean um, Mamma Mia Mamma Mia she's great in Mamma Mia so she has a lot of range as an actor where she can do comedy she can do musical she can do dr- thriller drama uh, mystery uh, horror like she really can do anything that you put her into which is really rare for an actor she does it all in this movie she hits mm-hmm. every one of those ranges in this film like the comedy she nails even as this little nerdy character na- named needy like the sex scene between her and her boyfriend is so funny where <laughs> <laughs> he's like, she's seeing visions of the goat of her the dead uh, jock and jennifer so yeah, yeah. she's horrified <laughs> but he's, he's like he's like, like am i too big <laughs> am i too big but even am like her again even leading up to it, it's very cute it's very <laughs> funny she has a bunch of great one-liners in this movie as well but also that applies to diablo cody's terrific writing and, and hilarious script but amanda Seyfried does everything she gets the tears going she gets the fear going she's awesome in this movie then she's a badass hero at the end and she gets succubus powers and i wish we got to see obviously spoiling the ending right now the her killing the band killing low shoulder yeah because that's what happens at the end she survived she kills she kills jennifer because the movie's clever it opens up with her in a mental institution she's very kicky but also she kind of has like strong well first thing that we see is jennifer in bed and then amanda seyfried in the window kind of like yeah yeah yeah. so were they oh is she like a serial killer that's the first thing we see then her in a mental institution. Yeah, right. So Jennifer like looks to the window. And then Jennifer and then Needy in the mental institution where again she like kicks that nurse across the room. We're like, holy yeah. crap, how's that possible? Mm-hmm. And then we find out later on that she murdered Jennifer when she was a succubus to kill her by stabbing her with the 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 razor through the heart. I love Jennifer's like what do you get all your murder weapons at Home Depot? <laughs> the box cutter, yeah. <laughs> box cutter. And her mother sees her, walks in. Because the demon has left Jennifer's body. Yeah. It just looks looks like Jennifer. So it looks like she just murdered her friend. Exactly. Yeah, but I got, love that. Yeah. It's great. But she got bit, and she gets the powers of a demon, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And she gets revenge and escapes that institution. Yeah, they're, she's going to, she gets in the truck driver's car. And he's like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to see a band, Low Shoulder. I'm a, it's their last show tonight. <laughs> it's implying that she's going to murder them. But it would have been cool to see her murder them. But I get it. They just used, like, the photos. The photo the montage scene. is fun, but I agree. I think it would have been better if it was if we got the, if that was the final two minutes of the movie. That would have been awesome. I think it would have been satisfying. Because it, it would have been satisfying to see them suffer. Or, like, a post-credit scene. Yeah, or as opposed to just the photos. Like, to see them actually, like, suffer and go through um, being murdered. Like, in the watch them scream in fear. That would have been a little more satisfying. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't work it around schedule. It, I it, mean, maybe that's how she wrote it. Or maybe she's it's not a bad ending. Yeah. It's not a bad ending. Oh, no, at yeah, all. yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, it would have been awesome to see. Because I think it's it's a great it's a great way to end the movie is to <laughs> kill the band. I agree. But I I think it's it's really funny. The music's great. It's it's such uh if you grew up in the two thousands, the music and the pop culture is perfect for Nostalgia, you. Nostalgia, yeah, the it, outfits are and on I'm talking point. like if you were teens in high school in the two thousands. Like the it, cars it's great. too. The cars are on point. The cars, the clothing, the fashion, the hairstyles. It's it's really spot on, and so it's kind of like I love movies like that 
when they do it right, it's like a time machine when you watch it. Yeah, especially the, the music with pop culture because Fall Out Boy. when we were in the 90s yeah. growing up, it was, Charlotte. it was bo- it was boy bands. Yes. And then it turned into the early 2000s, mid-2000s with the indie rock boy bands, like they're indie bands. Pop punk. You know, Fall Out Boy. Good Charlotte, was, Good Charlotte and Fall Out Boy were huge. Yeah. yeah, so like they're trying to be like the next exactly. Fall Out Boy. Yeah, it's really funny. I love this movie. I don't understand the hate for it. Me I either. really don't. It's gotten a lot of love lately with a uh, cult following. And if you look at the IMDb, I was scrolling through um, reviews based on recency, and they're much more glowing and positive late love of recent reviews as opposed to old reviews. So it's a it's it's on its release. It was poorly received. And the thing with Rotten Tomatoes is. It's not that not many people go on a Rotten Tomatoes to rate an old movie. You know what I mean? So most the thing with Rotten Tomatoes is generally it's all old reviews. So 46% critics and 35% audience, that's generally older reviews. Letterboxd, it's got a much better rating. If you compare it to if you put it on IMDb with its letterbox rating, then it's a seven. So it's got a much better rating. I think just a lot of people don't get it. They don't they don't understand what they're doing with the movie, I guess. I, I yeah, me too. I'm flabbergasted because of its low ratings and then I watched it. it honestly, within five minutes I was like, This movie's awesome. Yeah. It's and not then, perfect, it, and but then it's it was, great. and then halfway through it, I'm like, I am fucking all all aboard on this movie. I was cackling. I was yeah. laughing so hard. I, I scream laughed four times when I watched this movie. It's great. <laughs> and I, I also think that it has the hottest kiss in the history of cinema. Yeah, I think it has the hottest kiss. I think Karen Kusama knows what the hell she was doing when she shot, when she directed that scene. And yeah, I agree. It's, I, yeah, it's steamy, steamy as hell, steamy. Yeah, I, I, I've, yeah, <laughs> I have to think about all time kisses, but I, it's definitely up there for competition. I think, yeah, an all time kiss for sure in in cinema history. <laughs> I, really, I mean, honestly, uh, Keanu Reeves and Monica Bellucci, Matrix Reloaded. Oh, that's pretty hot. That's pretty hot. That's pretty hot kiss. <laughs> that's pretty hot kiss. And, but it's in a bathroom. Doesn't matter, man. <laughs> Keanu and Monica. But also, like Trinity's watching, it's kind of awkward. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's my fantasy, okay? <laughs> I love that Trinity and Morpheus are just like, yeah, I get it. Not Morpheus, just Trinity. No, Morpheus is there. Is he? Yeah, everyone's oh, yeah. in the room. <laughs> so everyone's awkward. Like, it's, it's like could an you, awkward. Could you guys turn around? <laughs> just turn around. <laughs> no, but it's a hot kiss. It's hot. It is. Let's okay. Monica Bellucci. We should do a whole episode of Best Kisses. <laughs> whole episode That'd be fun. Monica Bellucci. Actually, that would be a good episode. It's Best episode. Kisses. Yeah. Now, let's do our score system for Jennifer's Body. Anthony, what do you give it for a premise? I give it an 8 out of 10. Same. 8 it's out of 10. Premise. Great idea. Characters. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I also gave it a 7. Are <laughs> we going to order the same menu <laughs> item at the restaurant? Uh, cheeseburger, rare, please. <laughs> Medium rare. Fun. 8. 8 as well. <laughs> Fear. Six. I gave it a five. Not really scary, but disturbing at moments. I think it has some good scares. I think that my favorite bit was the, the silhouette, the, not silhouette, the shadow of her feasting on the emo kid's stomach. And we get the shadow of her like pulling apart intestines. And that stuff. was cool. I thought that was a really great scary it's shot. It's like very rock and roll. Yeah, like, with the heavy metal. Yeah. yeah. Gore. Seven. I gave it a six. I they thought, could have shown more. I thought this was a PG-13 movie until... I looked it up after I watched it because I thought, well, yeah, I mean, the, the forest scene of the guy completely dismembered—that's that's a rated R. True, yeah, but it was only a few seconds. But I thought it was when I was watching it, it felt like a PG thirteen film because I feel like they yeah. could have really pushed and dive more into the gore. I think this movie they could have gone they could have gone dial to eleven with yeah, gore. It's rated R. Why not go all yeah. out? So I I agree, the gore should have been better. 
if but it's the, not I think if gore. there was more gore, I think it would have maybe audiences would have received it better. And ironically, maybe they wanted less gore because they were worried audience was audiences wouldn't like it. it maybe it was a studio um, decision to cut gore out because yeah, I, mean, I think that that's what I did when I watched the film the other day. I was like. Man, there wasn't really that much gore in it. It was good gore, but like they could have definitely gone a much bloodier. Humor. Eight. Eight I, out of ten. I give it a nine. This movie's hysterical. Hysterical. Filmmaking. Seven. Seven as well. Seven. Really well made. It's very movie. good. Who's your MVP of Jennifer's Body? I mean, Seyfried. She's an incredible, incredible actor. I concur. Amanda Seyfried, MVP of Jennifer's Body. Love this movie. I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. I gave it four stars as well. I don't get it. Don't what did you write a review? Um, I, wrote, I, re- I wrote this movie is a bloody good time. I just wrote hottest kiss in cinema history. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's all you took away from it. No, I just spoke about it for twenty five minutes, glowing at I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I know what we're going to talk about now. We're going to go into our intermission and have some fun movie games. And then we'll get back into our episode and finish up with Ready or Not. But before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to share us with your movie lover friends and family members. If they love horror, if they love cinema, share our movie episodes with them. Share our podcast with them. It's the very best way for a podcast to grow and flourish like we really want our show to do. You can also leave those five-star reviews on Spotify and Apple really helps us get seen on those platforms. We love to read the written ones out on Apple. I'm going to read one out in a minute. It's going to be great. And you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Patreon is a subscription-based form of support. You can also listen to Patreon on Spotify if you link your account there. It's very cool because we do bonus episodes two every single week. So patron members get to listen to two bonus episodes of the show every week, either on Patreon or on Spotify. It's very cool. We have five tiers of membership, $2, $5, $10, $25, and $100. The perks that you get from every tier obviously get better and better and better as you go up the ladder until it's just so many perks coming out of your ears, you don't even know what to do. But they all get bonus episodes, so become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. And this episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at movieposters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today, be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. High quality stuff. We have these all over our home, all over our studio. They make a great gift for the movie lover in your life, and also a way for you to broadcast your passion for film and TV. They just did a movie poster giveaway that we announced today. So good, have, congratulations to our winner from that free movie poster giveaway contest. We're going to do another one next week, so stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. And right now, let's head into our intermission, Anthony, and begin with our movie quote competition. Are you ready? Ready. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. In the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up. Did you say it again? I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. In the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up. Huh. Um, I have no idea. 
Halloween. Oh my god. I mean, the, this like yeah. It's locked up. Trying to re- yeah. Trying to re- eight years. Tr- in my head, I was like trying to reach him, like find him, but reach him as in gotcha. terms of yeah. like emotionally reach him. Yeah, that was uh, what's yeah. his name, Loomis. Yeah, Doctor Loomis. Billy Loomis. That was a reference to. Okay, here's my quote. Two people talking. Wow, your shorts are like especially gold today. <laughs> my mom uses color safe bleach. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really funny movie. Juno. Correct. <laughs> go Carol. I watched them in their pork sausages go. <laughs> what is it? Pork sausages. They're, they're pork sausages. <laughs> Swinging left and right. <laughs> Juno's hysterical, man. I watched it for the first time in a while, like two months ago. It's so funny. It's a really great script. Anthony, guess this movie release year. And all you listeners as well. Tremors. 1996. It was eight, our birth eight. year. No, 1990. Yeah, wow. 1990. Wow, that's an old movie. Damn. Oh, yeah, so Kevin Bacon's pretty young in that. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty young. It's like right after Footloose. What was that, like 87 Footloose? Footloose, yeah, it was like around mid, mid to eight. <laughs> See, they remade that like five years ago. Yeah, I remember. I never saw it, but I know they remade it. Uh, <laughs> I no, saw nobody the trailer. Saw it. Like, why? Just cuz, man. Everything. Just cuz. <laughs> All right. What year did Thank You for Smoking come out? 2007. 2005. Damn it. I knew it was pre-Dark Knight. I guess it was a little sooner because Aaron Eckhart's in it, right? That's correct. Yeah, I knew it was before he did Harvey Dent. I've actually never seen it. You haven't? No. It's great. I'll tell you more about it a little bit, but my quiz question has to do with it, so then I'll tell you about it after. Well, here's my movie pop quiz. Who was the lead actor in the Poltergeist remake from 2015? That would be the great Sam Rockwell. Nice. <laughs> Sing ya. <laughs> you don't think my, I know my boy Sam? My boy Sam. My man Sam. Should have won a statue for Moon, baby. He did win a statue. Though. Eventually, yeah. yeah. Eventually. It's actually, for a remake of a great horror classic, it's not that bad. It's pretty good yeah. for a remake. It's and then um, Rosemary DeWitt, I think, plays the, the, the mother. Now, my quiz question. Who directed Juno? Oh, shit. Who did direct Juno? It's also the same director as Thank You for Smoking. Oh, hold on. You got it, man. Hold get on. That, get that brain of yours cooking, man. It's the, it cooking. Isn't it the guy who did Ghostbusters Afterlife? What's his? That's not his name, though. (laughs) (laughs) Crap! What's his name? His fucking dad did Ghostbusters. Think of the last name of the dad. That'll help you. Is it Reitman? Yes. Um, Jason Reitman. Correct. Nice. You got it, man. You got it. (laughs) Thank you for smoking. Was his debut film? Wow. I'll have to check it out. Eckhart. J.K. Simmons is also in it as well. It's honestly, um, I think it's, it's. I would say it's. Jason Ratman's best film. He also did Up in the Air. He did Young Adult with Charlize Theron. Um, then another one with Charlize Theron. Uh, ah, fuck, I can't, remember the, I can't think of the name. Uh, but th- thank you for smoking. Is he Aaron Hackhart plays a tobacco lobbyist. And it's really like sharp, biting humor. Incredible, sto- incredible like parallels to like how fucked up um, big corporations are and how they really squeeze power in politics and can sway politics and voting and 
he he plays just like you know scum of the earth big tobacco lobbyists trying to get politicians to vote in their favor this episode is also sponsored by marlboro get your marlboro (laughs) (laughs) and and all participating stores just kidding it's nothing like a clean just kidding smoking kills (laughs) just kidding Nasty. Awesome movie. Check it out. I will. I, rec- I highly recommend it. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who we got for Raider haters this week, Anthony? We got a bunch. We got a bunch. But I'm. that's actually how, so thank you for smoking, is why J.K. Simmons is in so many Reitman movies. Yeah, and Juno. And in Juno, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. One sec. I'm pulling them up. So you got like a little relationship with Diablo and, yeah, and Reitman. Exactly, yeah. Great collaboration. Little, little crew. Okay, so J.K. 777. J.K. speaking of. Wrote in our Blade Runner clip, is Dune in the room with us right now? <laughs> Alexander MacArthur in our Blade Runner clip about Joy. It is with a heavy heart that I unsubscribe because you don't know the difference between a Nexus 6 and a Nexus 9. Or a Nexus 8 cook guys do better. <laughs> Got mixed it up. was James. <laughs> Not me. I corrected him. <laughs> Do your research better, Jim. That's my hater comment, not you, not him. <laughs> um, so I tweeted, so our short film, like we said earlier, comes out tomorrow, and I made a tweet about its release, and I wrote, uh, it, comes out, uh, <laughs> it comes out Thursday, October 12th. <laughs> October. Yeah, I misspelled October. I didn't throw the T in there. So I had to retweet it, but I tweeted it, and then within two minutes, we got like six responses of, you misspelled October. October unsubscribed by the White Wolf 77. (laughs) I think I'm dyslexic. I've just been filling out so many forms lately. Because we made, uh, I made IMDb, I made Letterboxd. you've always been like this. Yeah, that's true. It's nothing to do with forms. I filled out a form yesterday, so I can't spell it October. <laughs> what an excuse! Pull that one out of your ass. Yeah, I had to like fill out so many forms lately. Like lately, like these I had so forms, many emails. My brain is just like these so forms. many emails. I had to input my address. <laughs> All right, next up we got Joe Gross on our Blade Runner episode. I've never seen the movie, and the whole and the newest episode ruined the whole movie for me. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Unsubscribe. Hashtag. Honestly, it's my fault. It mean it's been out for six years. <laughs> Listen to, to it's two hour and fifty minutes. <laughs> yeah, Joe. It, but Joe said he that he said after this, like he's like he'll watch the whole episode even if he hasn't seen the movie. Yeah, he I love that. Does it. Yeah, he's like I don't care. We love you, <laughs> I'm Joe. Gonna watch it. We love you. <laughs> Crack me up. He just wants to hang with the boys. Oh yeah. Okay, then Ren on my TikTok. Did you see my TikTok telling AMC to stop playing so many trailers? Sure did. And then Ren wrote, "You're telling me you're you're a Stubbs master, Stubbs member, or not an A-list member? Unsubscribed." I'm A-lister. I think I'm just Stubbs. You gotta join the A-list, man. Neil Neil Dodson wrote in our Vampires and Zombies episode, "Love you guys, but you missed two of my favorite zombie comedy movies: Return of the Living Dead and Peter Jackson's second movie, Brain Dead, which I haven't seen." I'm going to add it to my list. Both are hilarious. Also, can Dune just hurry up and please, and release please? Unsubscribe. All right. Uh, Ace Guru wrote, sorry, there's a bunch today. Loves the movies for the AMC trailers clip. Loves the movies but hates trailers. Unsubscribed. <laughs> and that's all. Thanks, everyone. All right. We have a great five-star review from Amendez. Favorite podcast. Aww. Nothing much to say. One of my favorite podcasts. I've recommended you guys to a lot of my friends. 
Keep it up. Thank you, Amendez. Thank you so much. Very and that's sweet. the best way for us to grow is to share us. It's the very best way. Share the load. We learned that at a conference. Yeah. 54% they, of podcast yeah. growth comes from sharing. Sharing is I caring. mean, word of mouth is just still the best form of advertisement. Sure even is. for films. Now, what's your streaming recommendation for this episode, Anthony? Excuse me. Sorry. My streaming recommendation is thank you for smoking. It's not available for free anywhere, but it's just a $3 rental on Amazon. But I highly, highly recommend checking it out. You better. I recommend Bar- better. Barbarian on Hulu, one of my favorite horror films. Oh, they got it on Hulu? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Wow. It was on Max forever. Did you know that Ready or Not is on Disney Plus? That's who it is. It's a Fox movie. That's who made Ready or Not. It's wait, they have horror movies, like actual horror movies on I looked Disney up, Plus. Because I, wa- I I was looking up Ready or Not the other night, and you know how like when you search a movie, it shows where you can watch sure. it, stream it. Yeah. Disney Plus. Looks like weird. But, but I, I know mean, they added their parental passcodes and security for kids. So yeah, because kids it. don't watch messed up stuff on the internet. On they their don't own. at all. No, they never they, have. Yeah, kids just watch kid friendly stuff on YouTube. But yeah, uh, Barbarians on Hulu, and we'll segue right now into Ready or Not. Which came out in 2019, directed by Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillett. I'm sorry. Oh, the pair. Yes, the pair. Tyker Gillett. I'm sorry. Jesus. Now they're unsubscribed. (laughs) Written by Guy Busick and R. Christopher Murphy. IMDb, it's a 7.0. Rotten Tomatoes, 89% critic score, 78% audience score. Letterboxd is a 3.5. On a budget of $6 million, this movie grossed $57 million at the box office, starring... Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, Mark O'Brien, Andy McDowell, Melanie Scrofano, and Henry Jemmy. Cherny? Cherny? Cherny. Sorry. C Z E R N Y. I thought that was Cherny. M. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. She must now hide from midnight until dawn while her new in laws hunt her down with guns, crossbows, and other weapons. As Grace desperately tries to survive the night, she soon finds a way to turn the tables on her not-so-lovable relatives. This is a fun movie. It was a great twist uh, on the horror genre. An excellent way of combining both childhood games and board games into a horror movie in a fun way because hide-and-seek obviously being the game they play, but with deadly consequences. But also the family empire was built off of board games, and we're big board game players, so I think this movie is great. And it's very funny, very gory, excellent kills. The cast is awesome. I hadn't seen Andy McDowell in a movie for a while, and then I saw her in this. I was like, oh, my God, Andy McDowell. Also, uh, the actor for Mission Impossible is in this. He plays the father. And then uh, Adam Brody again. But Samara Weaving is the first thing I ever saw her in, and she really is just an excellent Excellent performer. She's a movie star. She's gonna blow up in a big way over the next five years, and this is really her big, her, her big coming out party. She carries the movie. She's excellent, like so good at acting. Um, and yeah, she's, she's so good at it, man. <laughs> <laughs> great analysis, bro. <laughs> Very good at acting. <laughs> it's a great concept. I went into this completely blind. I had no idea what it was. Based off the title, I was like, I guess I can kind of assume sort of a, a bit of a concept of ready or not applying to ready or not. Here I come playing hide and seek. But I still didn't really know. I didn't really watch a trailer. You just told me. I knew it existed, but you were like, dude, you got to finally watch ready or not. Great idea and great opening of a flashback of this 
groom being murdered in front of these two boys in this giant family home in front of family and members. And the boys helping. And the, and, the, and the bride's right there. And so it's about this family, the Delomas family, who have this empire of games. And one of their ancestors met this magician who gave him a mysterious box, and he also gave them a huge donation, which is how they started their empire. And now every time a new member of the family is entering their family, when there's a marriage or something, they play a game with this box. And this but also, bo- they solved the box. So you missed that bit. So they what? They solved the box. Okay, yeah. And so the reward was, if you solve the box, I will give you a huge generous donation. So that's what they did. Yeah, so they got the donation yeah. from the guy and Mr. Labaye. Labal. Labelle. Mr. Labelle. Labelle. And so the way the game works is you put a card in it, and basically like the spirit of Mr. Labelle tells you what game you have to play. And almost all of the games are non-lethal, but there is one that is murderous, hide-and-seek, where the person who just entered the family, in the flashback, it's that groom. In the main film storyline, it's Grace, the bride of Alex. They play a game at midnight, and she pulls hide-and-seek out of the box, which means now she has to go hide while the De Lomas family have to hunt her down and murder her. If they don't by sunrise, something terrible will happen. They don't know what. Yes. Something bad will happen. So the family curse is uh, deep-seated and uh, the motivation for the family. And I love how we slowly learn more about it. And then what's interesting in this is the way I look at this film is that um, their family, their the um, the ancestors who passed away who made, who made the deal, they basically, the way I look at it is they made a deal with the devil. Just like with Jennifer's body because they show the poster and it's like the little devil smiling face. Yeah, with the band. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I look at it as LaBelle was a Satanist and the box, once they solved it, the deal was they're making it, they're selling their souls and they're making a deal with the devil for success, for their success. However, it also means that the family line is cursed forever. And so if they don't, carry out the sacrifice whenever the high and seek card gets played they will all be they all will perish it's a great first act too because when i was watching this for the first time i was just like what's what's the the hook of this movie it's really interesting so far and so they get married and it's awkward obviously a horror movie so like weird stares and weird family members (laughs) and like aunt helene is super weird but aunt helene is from the opening as well so she's just like so traumatized by what's happened that she's like part of this cult now which is basically what the family has become and then they get married and grace is like i'm with my husband in our bedroom let's consummate the marriage finally let's get some alone time and then the family barges in and like it's time and he explains to her that there's a family tradition where we play a game at midnight and she's like oh this sounds fun let's go do it and it she, seems like an innocent thing yeah, yeah like oh this is a good time then she pulls hide and seek she's like are we really gonna play hide and seek you want me to go hide they're like yeah you have to go hide and and then her husband's like face dropped yeah when he pulled like when she pulled the car because he knew he knows what that means the shift in the mood of the yeah. entire room is palpable because you can tell that completely. card, it's the first time it's been pulled since the flashback. So like 30 years later, multiple marriages, that card's never been pulled before. And they all know what it means, but Grace doesn't. And as the audience member, you don't. So she goes and hides, and she goes in that dummy elevator. And then suddenly, the family starts to arm up with weapons. Now I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and it's a great concept. It's original. It's unique. It's fun. It's entertaining. 
And it's just a great hook for a horror movie for me. I'm so glad they didn't make a sequel. Me too. They like, don't, this, this does not need a sequel. Well, the ending is perfect. It doesn't, doesn't need a sequel how it ends. It's, it's excellent ending. You could do it, I guess. We can talk about that in a little bit. But then the rest of the movie is Grace trying to survive her in-laws who are trying to murder her. At first, her husband, Alex, is trying to help her, sneaking around the house, trying to limit the security measures of the house so that she can escape. But eventually, by the end of the film, he succumbs to... What he's meant to do is be the next leader, the heir of the DeLomas family, eventually turning on Grace by the end of the film. But his brother, played by Adam Brody, the sarcastic, I hate my family one, he eventually is the one who tries to save Grace and dies trying to save her. So it's kind of ironic how their roles kind of swap in terms of their, per- yeah. their perception as an audience member. Because you, you, the husband full is full steam ahead trying to do everything he can to save her and protect her. Uh, but it's, it's the combination of accepting the family curse and then also i think when he saw that she killed his mom that turned him of like oh my god you killed my mother okay now i I can't love you anymore i think for him that was really the big turning point when he saw that his dead mother by her hand he's like okay let's let's kill her and the gore is excellent in this movie and it's also really funny like one one of the uh the wives she accidentally keeps killing the servants because <laughs> she thinks it's grace every time. Like, all right, maybe maybe no weapons for you anymore. So it's actually got great humor. And the other guys in. just texting and watching YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and I was. This is a scary movie. Yeah. It, it does. It's plenty of scary moments. You're with Grace in this giant mansion trying to hide from all these people with weapons trying to murder you. Great moments of suspense, like when she's trying to escape that back door with the butler that's making tea after Alex. Uh, limits the security and lifts the security measures and unlocks the doors. And she has that big shotgun, which you hope she gets to use, but it's all for show. The bullets are fake. And she gets fucked up. Like, uh, like the little kid shoots her in the hand. Oh, yeah, in the barn? <laughs> in the barn. And then she falls into the pit of corpses. Yeah, that's terrifying. That was disgusting. But then, then when she's climbing up the ladder, she places her hand down that uh, nail. And goes right through her hands, so both her hands are just totally destroyed, so she can't like climb a fence or anything. Um, she really goes through hell in this film and transforms. But it's it's such a fun, scary movie that you're like, how is this gonna end? And you're like, is the curse? Because you're always like, is the curse real, or are these just are these people? Is this family delusional? And is, has this delusion been passed down from generation to generation? Um, and so by the end, when she escapes the ritual. For the second time. Yeah, for the second the time. The first time she gets the help yeah, from Adam Brody's yeah, character. Right before sunset, she escapes. I mean, sunrise, she escapes. And the, the family's like, okay, we, we, let's just grab her again. But then they realize, oh, no, the sun is rising. And then they're like, oh, no. They all wince, but nothing happens. And yeah, then, they're like, oh, there's nothing. And then nothing. they're all laughing. Oh, there is nothing. And then they, each one start exploding. <laughs> oh, my God. This, it, for me, that move, that's the... The scene that really made it for me when they all explode. It's an excellent ending because I was thinking, like, from their perspective, they're like, we've been murdering people for no reason. Yeah. This is crazy. There's no curse. Oh, wait. There's a curse. We're all dead. It's- and then when the husband's like, hey, I'm sorry. I love you. He's, <laughs> she's like, she takes her ring off and then he explodes right in front of her. It's great. It's an excellent ending. But it's even better than that because not only does the family all die, guess who is the heir to the Delomas empire now? Grace's. She's the last surviving member of the family. She just got married, and now she has an empire. So she, in a way, wins everything. Yeah, she does. But and I love the the bookend 
Because her first scene, she smokes a cigarette, and then the final scene, she lights a cigarette up, covered in blood. And it's you can see the whole complete transformation of someone who's nervous but excited for her wedding in the opening to someone who just went through hell and is just like a completely different human being now. And it's got a great costume, a great Halloween yeah. costume. The, the bloodied up wedding dress, torn up. You can do it clean if you want to, but with the yellow chucks, it's a great look. And she does. She did a great American accent for an Australian. She sure does. She sure does. Some, Aust- some Australians, they, they don't quite get it. I found this movie surprisingly excellent, and it really blew my hair back, and it was a pleasant surprise because I went into it completely blind, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. And just like the other two movies on this list, I actually think its rating even on IMDb is still a little too low. I think this is if this is a 7 on IMDb, I would give it at least a 7.5, closer yeah. to 8. Yeah, I gave it a 4 on Letterboxd. I really enjoyed this movie. All right, let's do our... Uh, Score system. What do you got for a premise? Premise, I have an eight. I have an eight as well. Really fun. Characters. Seven. The characters, an eight. I thought they were really fun. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. What about your fun factor? Seven for a fun. Also a seven. Fear? Fear? Five. Seven from me for fear. Scary moments, yeah. but... Yeah. Gore? I give it a ten. Oh, a ten! I mean, you got people blowing up... From the inside, just I, you gotta give that a ten. There's blood and guts everywhere. I gave it a nine. Give it a nine. Humor, seven, six from me. Filmmaking. So you hated it. <laughs> Filmmaking. Filmmaking. I gave it a seven. I gave it a seven as it's, well. It's solid. It's and solid. Who's your MVP? Samara Weaving. Yep, absolutely. Samara Weaving is the MVP. MVP. I have two fun facts. Seventeen different versions of Grace's wedding dress were created by costume designer Avery Plews to show the progress of Grace's night and how her clothes correspond to her attitude and moments in the film. And the filmmakers also submitted nearly 200 fictional board game names, but only eight or so were cleared by the legal department to use for copyright. Oh, fun. All right, let's do our ranking of the three films. So we have Pearl, Jennifer's Body, and then Ready or Not. So James... If you can rank them one out of three, one through three, what are they? Number one, number one's got to be Pearl for me. Number two, Jennifer's Body. So fun. I'm sorry. I'm putting Jennifer's Body number two. Not to apologize, but I, I really enjoyed it. And then Ready or Not, number three. Great ranking. I'm going to rank them at number three. I have Ready or Not. And number two, I have Jennifer's Body. And then number one, you guessed it. I got Pearl. Copy-paste, bro. I just did it backwards, though, to differentiate from you. <laughs> <laughs> ordering what I'm ordering over there. But I love them all. I think they're all great. They'll go, they're going to age really well, just like Jennifer's body has begun to age really well. <laughs> <laughs> I made a tweet yesterday That's where I said, funny. I forgot that Chris Pratt is in Jennifer's body. I got There were five responses like, I read that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think Pearl... And ready or not, just like Jennifer's body, you're going to be uh, cult status soon. I think Pearl's going to have the best longevity. I see. I think, I think so, so, I think too. Yeah. so, too. Yeah. And then, like, the trilogy once he's done. I think for Ty West, Pearl right now will be his, like, defining movie of his career. It's probably his most watched and viewed. I mean, oh, definitely is. like 200,000 yeah. reviews on Letterboxd almost. 150K. That's a lot. Yeah, it's, no, yeah, 180K. Yeah, it's a ton. Is that why you said almost 200,000? Why I said it. It's actually, is that why? It's actually, like, 187,000. Is that why? That's exactly why. Anyways, <laughs> we hope be you- sure to like, subscribe, find us on all the platforms, get a, put alerts on, the bell notifications on YouTube. But 
also, like we said earlier, our short film, Midnight Ruin, comes out tomorrow. It's going to be on YouTube. There's going to be links for it everywhere, and if you search it, you'll be able to find it. So please watch our short film, and if you'd like to, rate it on both IMDb and Letterboxd, and even leave reviews if you want. They, there is an IMDb page, and there is a Letterboxd page. Super fun. So please watch our film and let us know what you think. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Darian, Tyler McFly, and Sal Koching. Our Chosen One patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well, notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.